25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. We are all over Thursday like a hobo on a ham sandwich. What's up? I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. Coming up in mere minutes. Roger, I punched the number up there for you. I hope you can see that. Uh, there's a whole lot of numbers there, and I kind of jumbled it up. One on one line and the time on the other. So, anyway, there it is. Uh, Gabe Bach from TexAgs and TexAgs.com. Supposed to jump on with us here shortly, and we'll talk a little football with him. We were going to talk to Gabe yesterday, and it didn't exactly work out. And it was all my fault, or some squirrel jumped into the power line and messed it up down the road. They had to come out here and fix it. And so we wound up doing the show with a telephone up to my ear all day. So that was different. A reminder here that tomorrow, I want you to join me tomorrow from 12 to 2 at Divinity Equipment in Madison, right there on Highway 51. You're going to have the Scarecrow Car Show going on this weekend in Madison. 450 classic cars and souped-up cars and amazing cars, and it's really a big deal every year. And tomorrow on Friday... In the middle of the day, at about the time I'll be doing this show live at Divinity Equipment in Madison, a lot of those cars are going to be pulling in, or you get to see some of those up close and personal there at Divinity. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And if you'll come on out, there's lots of cool deals and things going on at Divinity this weekend, and some going forward for hunters. Really, anything you might, you know, could possibly come up with that you might need, or, um, including. You can get $500 off that Kubota Sidekick ATV. If you come into the store tomorrow and get that coupon on your phone, you get $500 off. The Scarecrow Car Show in Madison, Friday, Saturday. Like I said, tomorrow's a poker run. Um, cars kind of come in. They stop at different businesses. We're going to be the lunch spot there at Divinity Equipment, 11 to 2. While you're there, check out the Kubota deals. The uh, Sidekick. You can get up to $1,500 off Compota's new utility vehicle, and you're going to get that $500 coupon if you come into the store. All remaining zero-turn mowers are red tag, price discounts, $2,000 off select models there as well. And the cool thing about coming out to Divinity is you can hop up in the seat and drive it around in the parking lot a little while. <laughs> sling rocks, as long as you don't sling them at, at, at my car, that'll be parked off to the side. So we'll all look forward to that tomorrow. All right, let's do it right now. Talk a little Aggies with our friend Gabe Bach. He's a part of the uh, big conglomerate, TexAgs and TexAgs.com and TexAgs Radio and TexAgs TV. They cover the Aggies, and nobody does it better than Gabe. Y'all follow him on Twitter if you don't already. He is Gabe Bach, 
and he's on your radio right now. Swung and missed yesterday, Gabe, but now we got you, man. We got a chance to hit a home run today. How are you? Matt Wyatt, man. I couldn't wait to come on with you, brother. I'm glad we made it work. And I tell you what, I've been there, done it. You know, about uh, the first month on the job, actually my first interview at A&M, or when I was covering A&M 15, 16 years ago, I, I whiffed and I and I missed on an interview. And I just said, well, you know what, I'll just go back to the station and tell the, the PD. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. What happened? Well, I had a little issue with the thing and with the equipment. And he's like, hey, look. Job number one is you got to get the, you got to get it. So you know you got to call the KBCX, you know, the, the TV guy locally, and figure out a way to get that file right. So yeah. you did yesterday what I learned a long time ago, and you did too in this business is get the job done. I've done dozens of shows on the cell phone because listen, man, when it goes out, you got no business, you got no choice but to make it happen. So, yeah. yeah, glad to be on with you. Glad to see everything's going strong for you, Maddie. Yeah, so far on a Thursday, going well. Uh, and Gabe, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this honest truth. Like my first job out of college, I went and I lived in Germany for one year, played football, and then came home. And my first yeah. job was with a local TV station. And early on, I had an interview that I, I was going to interview a track star at Mississippi State. Something big had happened. I drove an hour down there, met him out at the track and field <laughs> complex, set up the camera, the tripod, get the microphone, stand in there with the athlete, and I hit the, record, right. I hit the record button, and that's when it dawned on me. There were no tape. There was no tape in the camera. <laughs> and, now the young guys are like, "Well, what's tape?" Now, <laughs> right? You talking we, about beta camera? <laughs> Absolutely. We actually used tape, and so you know what I did? <laughs> I knew there wasn't any in the truck either. So you know what I did? I stood right there and pretended because I just felt like I cannot completely waste oh. these people's time, <laughs> and it was a no, waste of no time. But, yeah, you do not want that to reverberate around the hump and then over at Duty Noble and then eventually make its way past the Raphael Palmero facility. And all of a sudden, well, that was before that. But then all of a sudden, then the football coaches know, did you hear what Matt Wyatt did on this thing? He just wasted all our time. <laughs> That's right. That That's right. No yeah. doubt about it. Just, well, I'll, tell yeah. you, I'll tell you what's never been a waste of time, though, Matt. I got news for you, and half your audience is going to agree is uh, hanging out pregame at the Grove, and we get to do that on Saturday. So life's good, man. Yeah. I tell you, no, no, I don't know if anybody does it much better. I mean, there's people that do it great, but I, I love my time at the Now, shoulder to shoulder, and three of the four years that Adam's been over there, it's, it's, dang it, it's rain. Yeah. And so it rains in the forecast this week. All you need, if you need, if you, if you, if you croppers over there need, some good rain. All you got to do is schedule the action coming there around Oxford. It's going to rain, I promise. Yeah, it may get a little rain this weekend, but speaking of the matchup yep. on the field, Gabe, um, yeah, man. you're looking at an Ole Miss team that, it, you, in your evaluation as you scout them and get ready to watch them this weekend, fair to say that a little surprising at how competitive and in some places good they have been at times? I mean, they've been good. They've got good coordinators, Matt. You know, yeah, I mean, sure. they've done a good job, and they're muddying it up and figuring it out. This John Rice Plumley, he's like Matt Wyatt after about four shots of espresso <laughs> running around out there. But there's no way you could do the stuff he did. No. You do it different. You did it differently. Equal success, but it, it's amazing. And he seems to fit what Rich Rod wants to do better. You got an A and M team that's very prone to like unforced mistakes, like head scratching mistakes, because they are young. You know. There are 10 active rookies in the NFL right now that are on last year's roster. And Bama can overcome stuff like that, and Clemson of today's world can, and LSU can, and 
in a lot of ways, Florida in recent in years, most years they can. Ohio State, A and M just he just doesn't have the roster yet, mm-hmm. and, and so because of that, he's got five seniors. One of them is a punter, and, and and the other guys just they're just not special players. And so he doesn't have multi-year SEC players that have gone through the grind for for a bunch of years, and and so in a lot of ways they're just head spinning players. There's some talent. He's got to upgrade the speed on them. Anyway, here's my point. And what they do, and then they're, they're going to bring in the two quarterbacks some. It wouldn't shock me if all of it, if A&M leaves some guys uh, and just kind of gets lost as to almost – and it seems so elementary, like, okay, shoot. I mean, I was I was prepared for Corral on that play, but that was plumbling. I mean, I, I yeah. sounds so, so, so elementary. But Rich Rod can confuse you a little bit with some of the stuff he's doing. And A&M has been just totally confused this year in a lot of ways. They, they haven't been bad defensively, but it's just a little bit here – a little bit there. I mean, you would think that you wouldn't kick to Waddle after he's returned to 32 yards in the first couple of kicks. You would think that a one-on-three situation, the guy wouldn't wouldn't block a punt. Uh, you would think with the best punter in the country, at least last year, the Ray Guy winner, who is punting at it about 48 yards a clip, you'd figure out a way to punt away and try to limit a truly great return man. So they're just things Dan is doing right now. It's like third and fourth situation, boom, guy jumps offside. Third and fourth situation, you're coming out of a timeout, and you still get a delay a game. Yeah. Like, that stuff can't happen. Now you're at third and nine, and everybody knows you're past. You know, there's a third and three at Clemson, and a guy rolls a grounder from the shotgun position, the center, rolls a ground ball to Mon. All he has to and, and then the only thing you can do is fall on it, and you punt. Yeah. Now it's fourth and nine, and it was third and three. So there's just the little things like that. But what Plumlee's doing is obviously made him more dynamic, and he's running for The guy goes to Tuscaloosa. In the entire Nick Saban era at Alabama, they had one guy at quarterback run for 100 yards in the game, and that was Nick Marshall in the kick six game. And this little sucker comes out there. He's not little, but this guy goes out there and runs for 100 yards in his first start at Tuscaloosa. Like, that's pretty special stuff. Mm-hmm. A&M's been good against the run, but they lost six of their front seven last off the last few seats. Don't forget that. They got some big-name guys, but guys last year had done it for many years. And those guys aren't here anymore. You worry about that a little bit. A&M's a good run defense, but they'll be tested in a big way. And then some of the things that A&M's really struggled up front offensively, and that's really, especially at the center position. Well, you know, you got, you got big Benito Jones, 6'1", 329, right over the nose right. against uh, Colton Prater, who's really struggled for four years and continues to play, and they love him in between Saturdays, but he hasn't gotten it done on Saturdays, but he continues to play. And I think that's a big issue. Owen's a big-time problem running the football right now, Matt. And Ole Miss is pretty good against the run. Now, they were really bad against the pass. I think if Mon gets time, and if they can find some balance, even if that's with him running the football, which he's good at, making some chicken salad out of it without much help, uh, I do think that Mon could throw all day on Ole Miss. So, Gabe Bach on your radio right now covers the Aggies for Tex-Ags. If you all don't follow him already on Twitter, you might do that. At Gabe Bach, he and the crew will be in Oxford this weekend for that game. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Gabe, is, you know, you flip it over to the offensive side for A&M with Kellen Mond. Early on, some flashes. Of course, they were, you know, super competitive early in the game with Clemson. They were uh, super competitive with Alabama early in the game. We've seen him make yep. some of these highlight throws, but I haven't seen every snap of their games, and you have. So how would you evaluate Kellen Mond right now? I think he's playing pretty good football, Matt. I, <clears throat> he was definitely off and throwing. And you know more technical when you see a quarterback and 
live ball sail on him. And a lot of times when he gets a little super amped up, balls will sail. And he'll, and sometimes, and he knows the pressure's coming too. So if he's throwing off that back foot, the ball tends to sail high. And he also had probably seven or eight drops in that Clemson game. The receivers did nothing to help him out. He missed a wide open touchdown pass to Cam Buckley, who beat a linebacker. It was actually Simmons, the great linebacker there. Uh, he was a safety turn linebacker here the last couple of years, but he beat him by four or five steps wide open. Mine just missed it. But, you know, really, and that was such a loud, negative performance with all eyes on him and it was Clemson and defending champs and on the road that he's kind of gotten a bad rap this year but I saw him under intense pressure against Dauber with absolutely no help and he was throwing BBs out there and there were some drops in that game in the Arkansas game Mon was very good and Jimbo I think finally has realized that Corbin's hurt Travion Williams is gone and our O-line cannot open up a hole the way I want to block it in a pro style and power and everything else I want to do we got to figure some stuff out with Kellen. Attack the perimeter a little bit more. Maybe a couple end around. I mean, they did a they did an option where they brought Courtney Davis from the slot, like he's going to do a jet sweep, and Mon took it and pitched it to him. So with the you know with the running back helping block, there's some stuff he's trying to do creatively, just to to figure out a way to make to make something happen in the run game. Mon's been good running the football for him in the past three games. I think he's got 212 gross rushing yards before sacks in the three SEC games. So he's getting it done there. He ran for 110 against Bama. You know, last year he had over 100 yards against Bama before. Uh, he, he had over 100 yards against Alabama in the first half net. But he, they, they got behind. He didn't throw, and then he took some sacks. So he finished with 98. But the guy can run it. And now he's heating up a little bit with some more playmakers. He's figuring out this freshman tight end, Jalen Weidermeyer. This guy was not here. He was probably third on the depth chart entering August camp. And Baylor Cup gets hurt. Glenn Bill's not as effective. The sophomore out of New Orleans is not as effective as they thought he'd be. Dylan Weidermeyer is now starting. There are four tight ends in the country with more touchdown catches than Weidermeyer. And he's doing some Jay Sternberger kind of stuff where he's eating up the seam in the middle of the field. The corner route's good. This guy's a really good piece. Anaya Smith is Maurice Smith's brother, former Bama and Georgia player who's in the NFL. He's a true freshman. He's come in in the slot a little bit and, and making some stuff happen. And, and Jamon Osmond's down about 10 to 12 pounds and a different-looking guy. And Courtney Davis is really coming on here of late. So they've got – that's the only thing. Mon is A&M's only hope. Now, it's so lazy, Matt. And as a former quarterback, you know that fans will just blame the quarterback. Ah, you're losing. It's the quarterback's fault. I mean, they don't know if the receiver's in the wrong spot. All this is just the QB's fault. Well, I got news for you. Kellen Mon's not – just otherworldly. He's absolutely not anywhere near a zip code of like, you know, Heisman Talk or All SEC or anything like that. But, but I'll tell you this much: he's A and M's only hope offensively. Mm-hmm. And A and M would be up a creek if it's not if it wouldn't be for number eleven. And they're struggling anyway. But he's their entire offense. He's their entire run game. And when he's given time, he's making some stuff happen. And he's on his back more often than not in the face of like major A gap pressure with the center situation. Guard, they've had all kinds of problems. Guard center guard, and he knows it's coming, and he's stepping up into it, and he's firing some very, very accurate balls. Yeah, so I, I think he's actually been pretty darn good, actually. And and so that matchup you mentioned, Benito Jones, that'll be something to watch in the interior this week uh, for A and M. And and Gabe, I wanted to ask you this too. So I'm looking at it here, going, you know, three and three at this point in the year. And if I look at the yeah. last two, you're going to finish the year with road trips at Georgia and at LSU. So in between, 
This is starting a four-game stretch of at Ole Miss and then Mississippi State, UTSA, and South Carolina at home for you. This four-game stretch, right. this four-game stretch starting this week is everything for for A and M, isn't it's everything. it? Everything. Yeah, I mean, people talk about, well, is this a big game or is this not a big game, and what constitutes a big game? Jimbo likes to say, "Hey, go lose it. See how big it was." Yeah, right. Sure. You know, if A and M loses this game, loses the next game, they're not going to a ball. If they lose this game, they have a tough time going to a ball. And then state, you you and state walk in here thinking you're going to win. So. At eleven o'clock, and Kyle Field will be totally down because you just lost to Ole Miss. And, right. Yeah, you know, and we've seen this stuff before. What What did I tell you? What did I call the, the Ole Miss Mississippi State combo in July? What did I call it? You remember? I, I don't. I On just your remember, show. I remember you talking about the Mississippis, but I don't remember exactly. The dang Mississippi. <laughs> the dang, dang Mississippi is what we call them. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I'm standing out. I'm standing outside of HEB. This is a our our version of your kind of Texas only grocery. Atorium, okay. I mean, okay. it's a great spot. Okay, this is a great place, and, and so I'm about to walk in here, and I could pull ten guys. What do you think about Ole Miss and Mississippi? Ah, dang it! You know, post Johnny, and even even with Johnny, they gave you a, three of the four games were really troublesome. Of course, that Superman game in Starkville wasn't, but right. there was one clanga clanga by the third quarter. That cowbell up in the upper deck, still rolling and believing. But other than that, we were all deafened by that, unfortunately. <laughs> and there's been a lot, where, and we've been so much on the Ole Miss side, too. Think about uh, A&M gets the fourth in the first poll in 2016. You got night, everything's good. You go to state, he gets hurt, and you blow it. Mm-hmm. Next week, no big deal. You know, uh, Ole Miss guys played a true freshman. He had played a second, not a snap. And then Shea Patterson wolfs out in the second half, and you blow a double-digit lead. You blow that game and go from, like, nine, four teams lost in front of you. You're about to get right back at the top of the poll. Oh, no, you can't hold a double-digit lead to Ole Miss with Shea Patterson, and you're out of the polls. And that was the first sign that it was over for mm-hmm. Kevin Sumlin, and it was validated the first game that next year against UCLA and the Rose Bowl where he blows a 34-point lead with 17 minutes left. I saw say that again, a 34-point lead with 17 minutes left. Well, so I'll tell you this. This is a run, Matt, where talent-wise, you're looking on paper, Aiden's favorite on the road, they'll be probably favored next week. It's like, Okay, go beat the dang Mississippis. A&M is 3-7 and seven since 2014 against these two schools. It's been a big problem. And from A&M's perspective, you've got to you got to start – Jimbo's got to beat them. He's got to start beating these teams and sweeping them. Well, A&M hasn't swept them since Johnny walked out the door, the best player we've ever seen here. And, and, and A&M has been swept by them on two different occasions, two, two of those years. So that's got to end, Matt. But I tell you what. If you're an A&M and you're looking at a positive and you're an Aggie fan or you're in that locker room, you're thinking, okay. Now, you, you don't think ahead, but the, the idea of prognosticating is if South Carolina can go to Athens, A&M can go to Athens and do the exact same thing, but here's the ticket. you got to be a much better team. And in-season development is a real thing. Mm-hmm. But you got to be a much better team in a month than you are right now. And you get a buy somewhere in there, too, after UTSA before South Carolina. So, you host South Carolina, you host UTSA, you host Mississippi State, but it starts this week. This is maybe not like a big game nationally, but this is a hugely important game for Texas A&M. Saturday, just outside the Grove, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and it will be fun to watch that one. And for a lot of the folks that will go, we'll hope the rain holds off, including for you, Gabe. So, uh <laughs> 
Yeah, can't, I mean, just give me give me a dry grove for once. That's all I need. <laughs> just, I need all the southern haberdashery and everything going on without the lightning strike. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> That's it. That's not too much to ask. Well, we'll see. I think it'll be okay this weekend. We'll see. Gabe, listen, safe travels, man, coming over, and uh, look forward to yeah. seeing you in Aggieland next week when we come over there as well. So we'll talk then too, man. Thank you. No doubt. No doubt, Matt. All right, be good, brother. All right, you too. Thank you so much. That's Gabe Bach from Texags and Texags.com. And if you've never checked out Texags.com, you talk about a big, like, uh, booming fire-breathing operation they have there. Uh, covering that school year-round. Um, they do a great job. Follow Gabe on Twitter, at Gabe Bach. It is interesting. You know, they're all interesting at this point in the year. You get into conference play, but a and if you if you just kind of want to look at them in a vacuum, they make this move for Jimbo Fisher, and they pay him all that money, and then immediately it pays off on the recruiting trail. You go back and look at this past year's recruiting class, it's – it's big time, you know, three or four more of those, and he's going to have it stacked up the way he had it stacked up there at Florida State for a few years. On a recruiting front, again, they're in Texas now. It's a lot like Florida, maybe even better than Florida, certainly bigger. And I remind you that leading up to the time that Clemson, if you want to look at the ACC as an example, leading up to the time that Clemson won the national championship with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Prior to that, for four straight years, one team in the ACC finished number one in the ACC in recruiting year after year after year after year. And it wasn't Clemson. It was Florida State. They're going to continue to recruit well at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. And so, you know, what does a program look like going forward? With the momentum they had in recruiting, I'm sure that most Aggie fans would tell you that yeah, this really needs to be a year. They need to you know, show some progress on the field. Last year, year one, now year two. You heard Gabe talk about, though, it's year two for Jimbo Fisher, but they lost so much that they're thin in terms of experience and depth in certain spots, and they're really dependent on quarterback. And now they're sitting here at three and three. Got blown out by Alabama, played Auburn close and lost. Um, lost by 14 at Clemson. But three and three, you lost a bunch of players last year. It's year two for a first year uh, for your head coach. Does it sound familiar? In some ways, it sounds like Mississippi State. And this game, you talk about huge for Texas A&M. This game on the road this week at Ole Miss is huge with what they have coming up. More on that. More on others. Herb Street likes Florida in the East. I'll let you hear that coming up next. In the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. Thanks to Gabe Bach from Texags coming on the show today. All right. You can be a part of the show. A couple different ways to do that. Call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line, 995-1059. It's a 601 number. Hit me up. The Divinity phone, 995-1059. Speaking of Divinity, come on out and let's talk in person. Tomorrow, 12 to 2 at Divinity Equipment in Madison on Highway 51. 
going to be out there because it's a cool thing going on. They've got a ton of specials and things going on right now for hunters, and especially if, like, if you're in, interested in a zero-turn mower, the ones that are on the lot, they've got great deals going on on those. But the ATV, the Kubota Sidekick, uh, big discounts that you can get right now if you qualify, but you can come in the store, use your phone to get a coupon that will give you $500 off the purchase of a Kubota Sidekick. So, hunters, if you've been thinking about it, now's the time to go in there and get a big old discount tomorrow. Plus, it's um, the Scarecrow Car Show going on tomorrow and Saturday in Madison. 450 cars as a part of this is a huge deal, and a bunch of those are going to be driving in and coming through as a part of that uh, the poker run that they'll do tomorrow from like 11 to 2, and they're going to swing into the Divinity there during that time frame during lunch. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. So I'll be there. We'll be doing the show there and um, have some cameras there doing a big deal. It'll be fun. So y'all come out and see us. Come on out and see us. We've had a little bit of a a food theme. We talked about the hobo and a ham sandwich comment earlier. Roger, I just thought I'd make you aware of this. And knowing how witty you are when it comes to puns and things, I guarantee you this something will come up here. In California, two suspects have been arrested for stealing $50,000 worth of cheese. <laughs> the headline says, Suspects arrested in $50,000 cheese theft ring in California. I love it. It's not just the cheese theft. It's a ring of cheese thieves. <laughs> it's a ring of cheese thieves. Kind of like a wheel. It's, a wheel of who, cheese. <laughs> who moved my cheese 2019? <laughs> you know, we trying to figure out what kind of cheese it was, but when the guy ran off, all I heard was some guy, I think it was nacho cheese. Because he, <laughs> hey. the guy was like, hey, hey, that's nacho cheese. <laughs> Put that down. That's nacho that's cheese. That's nacho cheese. <laughs> hey, who moved all my cheese? Uh, I knew it. <clears throat> I knew it was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Lemoore, California. 34-year-old Roderick Ransom and uh, 24-year-old Jairo Alvarez. Theft and embezzlement, stolen property, uh, booked on the charges. Investigation into the cheese theft ring began in August. They had been stealing the cheese from... Leprino Foods since 2017. The stolen cheese was then sold online, door-to-door, and at flea markets across the state. Police identified other people involved in the sale of the stolen cheese and served search warrants in other counties. And they actually recovered a large amount of the stolen cheese. <laughs> They're stacking chatter. They're just stacking a cheddar up, man. Can you imagine? Okay, how this whole One whole more. thing get started? So they're sitting around drinking some kind of uh, craft beer, I would imagine. Yeah. Hey, I got a good idea, man. Let's steal some cheese, and then we'll go sell it at the flea market. We'll sell it at the. That's a great idea. Look, I was at the flea market the other day, and I was thinking, if I just had some cheese. Listen, if you and your friends are ever sitting around. And you say, let's go steal stuff. And your friends look at you and go, that's a good idea. Get new friends. In fact, you might even want to test them out. 
test your friends out and test them out. You're sitting around say that. Hey, let's go steal some stuff. <laughs> if your friends say, if your friends say, man, you're crazy, we're not stealing stuff, keep them. If your friends go, yeah, sure, why not? It's a good idea. Lose them. You can get new friends. Test them out. So what are the, uh, what's the uh, possible punishment here? Possible punishment? Yeah. I mean, I, what, what are they? What are they facing? Well, I don't know. They're going to get fourteen days, like the, uh, the the college admissions lady. <laughs> yeah, fourteen days in jail. Felicity Huffman. I'm going to say they don't have quite the uh, same uh, negotiating wherewithal that she must have had. <laughs> All right, back over to football. So we were talking about Texas A&M. They're three and three. They go to Ole Miss this weekend. You look at LSU undefeated, chasing down a national title. LSU just beat Florida. And Florida, they, they have this image as kind of second fiddle to Georgia in the East, but then Georgia loses at home to South Carolina. Now all bets are off. And even with a loss, and even with Kyle Trask as their quarterback, listen to Kirk Herbstreet talking about the Florida Gators. Even though Florida lost too, right now with Kyle Trask and the way he's executing that, that Florida offense with Dan Mullen, I think Florida's better with Kyle Trask than they were with Felipe Frank. I know they lost at LSU, but they stood in the middle of the ring and went swinging with the Tigers in Death Valley at night. I think the Gators now, for me, become the team to beat in the SEC East. And, you know, obviously in the West, it's going to be a showdown on November 9th with with Alabama and LSU. Now, LSU has Mississippi State, still have to play Auburn. Uh, With this offense, I think they're going to be okay. How about that? Florida is Kirk Herbstreet's favorite to win the Eastern Division. Let me ask y'all a question. Are y'all ready for Dan Mullen to win the Eastern Division and take Florida to the SEC title game this year in year two at Florida? Are y'all ready for that? Y'all ready for that? What happened to those building years he he required over at State? <laughs> um, I'm telling you, man, it's going to be crazy if that happens. Well, and look, I mean, look, Gabe Bach, he's sitting there talking about Texas A&M, the next to the last game of the year, A&M goes to Georgia. And he said, look, if South Carolina can go in there and beat Georgia, Texas A&M can go in there and beat Georgia. I can't argue with that. The recruiting tells you that Georgia should run away with that division right now. Just run away with it. Nobody in that division is anywhere near Georgia from a recruiting standpoint and stacking up four- and five-star players. But Kirk Herbstreet says Florida's going to win the East. What say you? Let me know. All right. A little ways to go. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Okay, back. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go! 
with the home team. Don't forget, we're going to be with you tomorrow broadcasting the show live at Divinity Equipment in Madison from 12 to 2. Last time I did my show from Divinity, uh, Louvier came by. I got to meet Louvier in person. So all y'all that normally text us, Fluffy and Bill and Scotty and QB1 and Bulldog Barney and True Maroon and Tyler and Miko, y'all all come by and see me tomorrow if you can make it. We have some cool cars out there with the Scarecrow Car Show going on. So looking forward to that. Come join us. Real quick here, um, in regards to the $50,000 cheese theft, Fluffy may take the cake on the text line, Roger. What's he got? Fluffy says, no matter how you slice it, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> well, he says, it good. sounds like an open and shut queso. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it definitely got me. He got me on quantity. <laughs> An open and shut queso. We're talking about the people who were offended on Twitter by the fact that a broadcaster said he was on him like a hobo on a ham sandwich. He's on him like stink on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> QB1 says it's called being woke, Matt. Come on, wake up to the wokeness. CWR on the text line says. Those kind of folks get offended when a coach yells at a player or when the, when they slap him on the butt or hit him on the helmet. Probably true. Yeah, I looked it up. All those people who complain do live in states where marijuana is legal. Okay. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. They may not be woke. They may be smoke. Uh, Bulldog Barney says, Tennessee was on us like a fat kid on a birthday cake. <laughs> oh, oh, fat shaming. <laughs> I like that one, though. Yeah. Ironically, the very next text was from True Maroon. It's a picture of uh, Buddy Stevens, the head coach at <laughs> East Mississippi Community College. Um, let's see. Unnamed texture says, is there a certain coach in college football that comes to mind when you think about the next great coach? Um, I, I think it'll be – has a chance to be down the road. Uh, Bill Clark, who is at UAB right now. Um. There's already starting to be some rumors about Lincoln Riley, the head coach at Oklahoma, jumping into the NFL. Some people saying that he's next up for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, we've seen that some. There definitely is something to the idea that there are a lot of coaches in college football right now who have made a lot of money. I'm talking about lifetime generational type money already as coaches millions of dollars every year who would jump to the NFL because they cannot stand the new round the clock year round recruiting. You used to have one signing day and you could really focus on it after the season. And now it's an in season deal. They don't get breaks. They don't get time off like they used to. You mean they don't, they don't enjoy Kissing seventeen year old behind. Yeah, they don't like that. And it's just that it's there's no breaks anymore. And so for a lot of these guys who've already made six and seven million dollars a year, Roger, for the last five to ten years, they've stacked that money up in the bank and they're like, I'll go to the NFL and coach where we get time off and we don't have to recruit. So you're about to see more college coaches jumping to the NFL when they get the chance, but it'll have to be the big-name guys. Mullen, Lincoln Riley, 
guys like that. There are others who got are getting out. They're just getting out. Don't think for a second that Jim Harbaugh is not looking to go back to the NFL. He is. Um, Miko on the text line says, Florida will not win the East because Mullen will call a boneheaded play in one of the remaining games to put them out of contention for the East title. That's Miko's. Um, he's going to Mullen it up. He's going to Mullen it up. That's what he said. Uh, Tyler texted the show and said, Tennessee had MSU fans more frustrated than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. <laughs> I've heard that one before. I've heard him. Moose Dog texted the show and said, Clark needs to come to MSU, please. He uh, should have got him two years ago. Yeah, it's amazing kind of what he's done there. I think he's a really good football coach. Really good coach. I'll tell you somebody from a you know big-time Power 5 Division One perspective that is right now – He's off the talking radar, but I think he's on some real sure enough radars, and he's doing a really good job of building that resume, and that is Jay Hobson at Southern Miss. I mean, he's hired good coaches. Coaches want to work for him. His team is physical. Um, yeah, you got limitations at Southern Miss, but his teams are physical. They, what, had the number, they had a top five total defense last year. This year, their quarterback is top five in the country in terms of passing and explosive plays and all this stuff. And you let them keep it up. And I'm telling you, somebody from one of these Power Five conferences is going to come in there and hire Jay Hobson. And don't roll your eyes. I'll tell you what you can roll your eyes at, and just remember this that I told you. QB1 says, if State goes bowlless and loses against Ole Miss, should Cohen encourage Joe Mo to take the Rutgers job? QB1, listen to me. Everybody listen to me. This Joe Moorhead and Rutgers stuff is complete and utter. It's false. It's not. Why would he want to step back like that? Well, and I've been telling people this for how many weeks, Roger? I mean, what, two, three weeks ago is when the first time I said it? Listen, here's what's going on. Listen to what's going on. First of all, Moorhead's making a lot more money right now every year, and I don't think it's the most important thing. He's making a lot more money right now than anybody has ever paid a coach at Rutgers before. Okay, maybe they could pay more. But listen, Rutgers is going to hire Greg Schiano. And this stuff that you're hearing about, oh, well, there's support for Greg Schiano in the athletics department, but the president doesn't want to hire him. Listen, the president does want to hire Greg Schiano at Rutgers. But publicly, at least in terms of the rumors out there, publicly, it has to appear that he doesn't necessarily support it one way or the other. He has to appear to be neutral because he's got people in his faculty and all who don't want the president to care that much about football and don't want him to really weigh in that much at Rutgers. It might just argue on GP. They're going to leave. That's right. They're going to leave it to the athlete. They are going to hire Greg Schiano. And all this stuff of bringing up other names is because they hired a search firm. The search firm is taking the money. The search firm knows who they want to hire. The search firm knows that Schiano wants a job. But the search firm has to at least make it appear that there are other candidates. Yeah. Right? And who does the search firm and these administrators, who do they work directly with? during football season. Agents. All you got to do is look and find a connection between the search firm and Joe Moorhead's agent. Boom. 
He's not a candidate for Rutgers. They're not hiring him, and he's not going there. It's all false. All right, who's first on the phone line, Roger? Let's see my color here. Okay, Chris, you're up first. What's up, Chris? Okay, I just wanted to call you and tell you, Matt, that I'm not mad at you. I know I ain't called all week. <laughs> but I called and told Bo earlier this week that I'm out. I mean, until – and it's not that they lost. I mean, I could care less if State doesn't win another game for the rest of the year. But I'm going to say this and just say it politely. Um, even when Kroon was there, since I've been paying attention since you, you were the quarterback, I've never seen a soft team at State. Mm. That was a soft team that took the that took the field Saturday against Tennessee. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, and I mean, I just I think Moorhead just needs to say, "Hey, look." It's just not working for me here, and I'm not going to put the fan base through it any longer because I know that Cohen's probably going to try to stand beside him. But, you know, it, my question is this. is I wanted to get some perspective from you. Why wasn't Grantham really, really, like, was he offered the job? That's a good question, Chris. Or, That's re- I mean, because, and listen, I want, I want to tell you, this is a smart call. I'm going to tip my hat to you. I, I don't disagree with you that that was a very, very soft effort and team that we saw on Saturday. That's that's true. Uh, and it, you're right. It was bordering on the kind of soft that we saw, I hate to say it, but towards the end of Coach Sherrill's run, you know, that 0-2-0-3 team. And, and, and so I think that's an accurate assessment. They have to own that, and that's what's tough. But I had the same thought. I don't know why I thought about it at the same time you did, Chris. Maybe it's great minds. But I was just thinking back and wondering because people don't people forget, Chris, that Dan Mullen, he was leaving regardless. Dan Mullen had basically, he and his agent had basically worked out an agreement with Tennessee leading up to the week of that Egg Bowl that year in 2017. They had worked out a deal with Tennessee after the Egg Bowl, win or lose. He was going up there to meet with Tennessee in Knoxville that weekend. Okay, let me tell you another secret. Two weeks before, well, I guess the week before that, State went to Arkansas. There's a very prominent member of his off-the-field staff who was mysteriously not on the plane. We were told that he was sick. Well, he wasn't sick. He was in Tennessee working out details. And then and then Florida called, and like a smart guy, he went to Florida instead of Tennessee. He was leaving. So that's what I wondered. Was it just a thing where – Somebody decided that Grantham wasn't the kind of fit you wanted as a head coach. And and people never really even brought it up then. And, Chris, listen, my music has started. I wish we could pick this up tomorrow. I know you said you're done, but call me back and yeah, let's I'll pick up the conversation tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, let's do that. I'll call you back tomorrow because I yeah. really won't. I, but I'm going to tell you now, they, if, if he leaves, I want Buddy Stevens. Appreciate the call, Chris. See y'all. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.